Welcome back to Worship with All Saints, a broadcast ministry dedicated to personal growth in God's Word. Please visit our website, aschurch.net, for more information, including our service schedule. Almighty triune God, thy name is veiled in mystery, yet we dare to call thee Father. Thy Son was begotten before all ages, yet he was born among us in time. Thy Spirit fills your whole creation, yet thee pour forth that same Spirit into the hearts of thy adopted sons and daughters. As thee have created, called, and loved us by name, draw us ever more deeply into the mystery of thy divine life that we may glorify thee rightly through thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading begins at the first verse of the sixth chapter of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Here ends the reading from the Old Testament. gospel is written in the 16th chapter of John, beginning at the 5th verse. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things to you, 
sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I have yet many things to say to you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it to you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. As I speak today, Trinity Sunday, on the Blessed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I want to begin by emphasizing that it is my desire to do so, not as an argument against those who believe not in this holy mystery, nor to present proofs for the truth of the existence of a triune God, but solely for the edification and building up of those who have already experienced a personal relationship with He who is the great three-in-one. The Trinity is one of those things within Holy Writ that we refer to as a mystery. Now when we use that word mystery, most people will conjure up a whodunit, a tale of intrigue and twisting plots and enigmatic contrivances. This is not the mystery of which I speak. A theological mystery is a truth which we are not only incapable of discovering apart from divine revelation, but which even when revealed to us remains hidden by the veil of faith and enveloped, so to speak, by a kind of darkness. In other words, even though it has been revealed to us, our understanding of it remains only partial, and it is forever drawing us deeper into its unfathomable depths. You must realize the concept of the Trinity is purely a revealed reality. That is to say, it embodies a truth which has never been discovered and shall never be discoverable by natural reason. With all his intellectual searching and all his analysis and mental deductions, never has man or woman been able to find out for themselves the deepest things of God. As the awareness of the Trinity is indiscoverable by reason, so it is incapable of proof from reason. There are no analogies to it in nature, not even in the spiritual nature of man, who is made in the image of God. In his Trinitarian mode of being, God is unique, and as there is nothing in the universe like him in this respect, so there is nothing which can help us to comprehend him. All analogies, all comparisons, all attempts to explain to the finite mind the Trinitarian nature of God will fail miserably and may even do more damage than good in the endeavor. When God invites us to know him, he does not mean to entertain an intellectual understanding of him 
but rather to experience him, to know him as a husband knows his wife, a mother knows her children, a brother knows a brother. And this experiencing of God can only be known through his divine grace. And only those who have experienced his mercy and salvation have an inner consciousness of the three-in-one God. For every redeemed soul, knowing himself reconciled with God through his Son and quickened into newness of life by his Spirit, turns alike to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with the exclamation of reverential awe and awareness of unworthiness, crying, My Lord and my God. And there is no other way that he could think nor speak nor worship the Redeemer of his soul, other than as the three in one. The knowledge of God's intimate being can only come to sin-ridden man by means of God's own gracious revelation. It was God's good pleasure to make known to us his essence in order to bring us into closer union with himself and to prepare us by acquiescence and willing assent to his divine will for that face-to-face -face vision of himself which he intends to give unto us throughout eternity in Christ. The eternal salvation of man was God's idea, not man's. God alone planned and accomplishes our salvation, for he came to where we are to save us, and he remains and dwells within us to complete that work of salvation. For we become united with the Son of God by the work of the Holy Spirit and the adoption of the Father. In the first creation, he gave us ourselves, but in his new creation, he gives us himself. The love of God towards us is not some vague, abstract idea, some vacuous hope, but has been manifested by the mighty gift of himself on the cross and the gift of the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. But the love of the triune God for us is only through Christ, by Christ, on account of Christ, and in inseparable connection with the sacrificial work of Christ on our behalf and to the glory of the Father. We must be careful to remember that we can know little or nothing of God's love which can give us comfort except in Jesus Christ. He who thinks he understands God's love, who attempts to live his life based on the worldly concept of what love is, is building a foundation of sand, for it is not written that God so loved the world that he will take all the world to heaven, but that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Now of a certainty in this life, and possibly not even throughout all eternity, shall we fully comprehend the triune God. But that does not give us an excuse to misunderstand him. Though there are three persons, there is only one God. The scriptures declare this over and over and over. There are not two fathers, nor two sons, nor two holy spirits, nor two gods, but one Father, one Son, and one Holy Spirit. The Father is never commanded, is never sent on a mission, is never subjected to humiliation, as was the Son. The Father is never sent forth like the Spirit, nor is visible to human form like was the Son, or the Spirit as a dove, or as tongues of fire. God is triune, but in everything that he does, and at all times, the three are one. The Father is the hidden foundation of all things, the fountain of all life. The Son is the outward form, the express image, 
the revelation of God. The Spirit is the executive power of the Godhood. The nature of the hidden unity is revealed and made known in the Son. And that is imparted to us and is experienced by us through the agency of the Holy Spirit. In all his activities, the three are inseparably one. We must worship the only true God and not adore the false imaginations of our own minds. There is no salvation apart from the Trinity. It must be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Take away the distinction of the persons in the Trinity and you overthrow man's redemption. For how could we, being separated from God the Father because of sin, find reconciliation with a holy and just God without a mediator, without a propitiation for our sins? Christ having died and shed his blood, how shall this blood be applied but by the Holy Ghost? Therefore, if there be not three persons in the Godhead, man's salvation could not have been accomplished. Think upon it often. The divine mystery. The Son is sent by the Father and does His Father's will. The Spirit is sent by the Son and does not speak from Himself or of Himself, but only takes of Christ and shows it unto His people. We cannot even pray aright without the Trinity, without the prompting of the Holy Spirit within us. We cannot draw near to the Father except through the Son and by the Holy Spirit. Albeit it is the Father who is drawing us. Everything is of the Father. Everything is in the Son. And everything is through the Spirit. All Saints Church is a small, unique community serious about discipleship, prayer, and worship. Once again, more information can be found at aschurch.net. We hope you will continue to be a part of our listening family as we all pursue growing in Christ. May the Lord bless you this day.